Welcome to the Veterans Perspective, presented by the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency, with your host, Director of the MVAA, Zanetta Adams. Welcome to the Veterans Perspective. I'm your host, Zanetta Adams, Director of the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency. And today we're talking about legal information for veterans and justice-involved programs. Uh, joining us today is Justice Elizabeth Clement, Dennis Schur of the Michigan Department of Corrections, Judge Carrie Lynn Fuca of the 41B District Court in Clinton Township, and Melissa Fitzgerald and Scott Taroki of Justice for Vets. We are looking forward to an exciting show. We'll be talking about clean slate, expungements, veterans treatment courts, and more. You don't want to miss this show as there, is a, there are a lot of good information and nuggets that you can find. Again, remember that anything that we talk about today, you can find on our Facebook page. as Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency Facebook page, or you can call us at 1-800-MICHVET. Stick around. Don't change that dial. We'll be right back on the Veterans Perspective. Welcome back to the Veterans Perspective. We're joined today with by Dennis Schur, uh, the correctional the Corrections actually program coordinator for the Veterans Unit at the Saginaw Correctional Facility, and he's been in this role since December of 2018. He's worked for the Michigan Department of Corrections since January 1997, and he's also a Desert Shield, Desert Storm Marine veteran. Currently, he's the only Veterans Unit, CPC in the state. The unit is made up of veterans of all branches, all ages, all crimes, and a variety of discharges. He is also the direct liaison between the incarcerated veteran and the MVAA VSOs in helping with VA disability claims. SRF is the only facility in the state where this is done at. This is because of the memorandum of agreement between the MDOC, the MVAA, the VA, Alita Lutz Hospital, and uh, Dennis has also been assisting with veteran programming and assistance for all the veterans in this facility. And this can be with housing, upon parole, VA claims, workshops, VA records, retrieval, et cetera. And I will just add that he's been a huge component and in a resource within our governor's challenge for suicide prevention. So welcome to the show, Dennis. Thank you, Director. So, you know, today we're talking about um, legal assistance programs for veterans and legal assistance opportunities. And you work with our incarcerated veterans program. Can you tell us a little bit about that incarcerated veterans program? Well, the program is um, is here, just like you said earlier, there's an MOU between the um, three departments and it's just a really unique unit because it's all veterans. And um, like I say, it's the only place in the state where you can file your, um, for VA disability claims. Um, since COVID hit, it kind of put a damper on things. Um, now it's starting to open up a little bit more. So the big picture is um, we have a current proposal right now to try to get um, some of these these exams done via video, which would, you know, really help the um, facility because it would save a lot of money and time. Um, we just basically would like to get this statewide. It's the only place we do it here right now. So it's very unique. It's starting to um, get filled up. There's, you know, only a little, around 300 veterans here, but there's a lot of them statewide. So we'd really like to get it really squared away here at Saginaw and then slowly open it up statewide to do the same thing at other facilities. 
Yeah, I think that would be a great idea. I know that there there is a need. And, you know, I got to visit that facility a couple years ago before the pandemic um, and see some of the, you know, what they're doing there. And it just seems like there's a camaraderie. I mean, I think I think it was mentioned that there's there there are not like a lot of fights and all different types of things that happen in other parts of the correctional facility that don't happen because they police themselves. Is that accurate? That is that is correct. It's out of anywhere, obviously in the facility, it's the, you know, there's, it's the least amount of tickets. Um, we try to give them incentives to be there. Um, it's, it's like I say, the average age is around 63 years old in the unit. So we have a lot of Vietnam era veterans there. So um, we have a lot of young veterans. We just try to try to have something for everybody that they can get something out of it. Yeah, I hear that. And, and, you know, we're talking about incarcerated veterans, but, you know, eventually some of them leave the facility. And so I know you've been working very hard with the governor's suicide prevention challenge um, in partnership with the NVAA and different, several different entities across the state and even the federal VA. And so can you tell us a little bit about what some of that might look like for returning citizens? Well, hopefully um, upon release, um, like now with a new initiative for the MVA, we can um, get them some information. The two biggest things are housing. Housing's a, a really big thing. And we're um, trying to get them all the records when they leave. We're, we're Right now we're currently getting them a license. Um, I even addressed it that we would get the veterans preference on it before they get out, which would be a great thing because there's so many benefits for veterans and they, they would have that. Um, like say housing is a big thing, so we really plan on using that before they um, before they parole. They can talk to someone in housing, um, mental health. They can try to get um, if they have a rating, try to get that. So when they do get released, that's set up and they can start getting their full their full rating. So, but housing is probably the biggest thing for parolees. A lot of them don't have a place to go, and with this new initiative, we'll be able to talk with somebody with the MVA and help them get all set. So when they get out, they, that's one less thing to worry about. Yeah, you're so right, Dennis. And I think that's what's important about the incarcerated veteran program is that we're working with veteran service officers to get veterans who are incarcerated connected to their disability benefits. And that's in partnership with the VA. And so they can, you know, access some of that benefit, financial benefit if they do get the, um, compensation while they're in prison, but then the rest of it potentially could go to their families and then we can get it restarted when they get out. So they have some income, they have some health resources, they get, uh, you know, if they're able to get a license, they can get the veterans designation on there. I mean, really try to set them up for success. So I, you know, I definitely appreciate everything that, you know, Director Washington is doing and, and, and with you at the helm of this veterans program. Um, just before we wrap up, is there anything else you wanna add for those folks who may be looking to see how they can assist their incarcerated veteran? I just forgot to mention the buddy to buddy um, program that we would like to get. That's another big thing because a lot of these veterans leave and don't have anybody, no place to go. And I brought that up to them and they, they really lit up and thought that would be a great thing in you know, combination with the housing, have someone to, you know, talk to when they get out that's that has been through it or can answer a few questions. Awesome. Yes, I think that's going to be a great collaboration, getting them a mentor, someone who understands through our Buddy to Buddy program. So we've got great things happening. Just stay tuned um, as you're listening. We'll continue to talk about that as things come up. But thank you so much for joining us today, Dennis. Thank you. All right. And so when we come back on the Veterans Perspective, we'll be talking more about legal resources and opportunities for veterans in the state. 
So you don't want to turn that dial. Stay tuned. We'll be right back on the Veterans Perspective. Welcome back to the Veterans Perspective. Joining me today to talk about legal assistance for veterans is Justice Elizabeth Clement. Justice Clement joined the Michigan Supreme Court on November 17, 2017, becoming the 113th Justice and the 11th woman to serve on the bench. She serves as the liaison to the 188th problem-solving courts in the state of Michigan, which include drug and sobriety, mental health, veterans, and other non-traditional courts. These special court programs focus on providing treatment and intense supervision to offenders resulting in improved quality of life, reduced crime, safer communities, and avoiding costly incarceration. Welcome back to the show, Justice Clement. Thank you, Director Adams. I'm happy to be back and um, talking with, with your listeners about um, what, what's been happening in the, in the last year or so. Yeah, and you know, we've been really working hard at the MVAA um, with the Mich- with the governor's challenge, suicide prevention challenge, to help reduce suicides in Michigan. And one of the focus groups, focus areas is on veterans, um, justice-involved veterans, really. And so we are working with the Michigan Department of Corrections, probation officers, courts, prob- you know, you name it. We're really trying to wor- work and focus to get our resources and information out there so that those who may touch the justice system in any type of capacity, whether it be criminal, civil, family court, probate, or, you know, even if they're incarcerated, can get access to benefits if they're veteran or veteran connected. And so I I love all the stuff that's going on right now in Michigan around justice involved individuals in general, which actually happened to touch justice involved veterans. And I'd love to hear more a little bit about you know, some of the work in the area that's specifically for veterans, and then we can talk about some things that may impact veterans. Yeah, great. And and at first, I want to say that the, that, the, that the work that you're doing with all of those stakeholder groups, including the judiciary, I think is is so important. As, as you indicated, um, we have problem-solving courts in, in, um, in the state of Michigan. Um, we now have 199. I need to update that. On, on my bio, we have even more than we had a year ago. Um, and 27 of those are veteran treatment courts. Um, and that's fantastic. I think we lead the, the nation and the number of veteran treatment courts that we have. But we know that it's that there's a lot of veteran population in Michigan um, that is experiencing other issues um, that interact with with the judiciary. Um, so you you know you listed uh, you know a number of things whether that's landlord tenant or family law. There's a lot of different areas that the judiciary um, interacts with with our veterans, um, and so we don't want to wait until. Um, there's interaction with the criminal justice system and, and they're eligible for a veteran treatment court before we can connect with them and, and get them the services that they need. So I think that that program that you're working so hard on is, is really, um, it, it's going to be um, transformational for um, how, how we serve our veterans as it relates to, to the judiciary. So I, I really appreciate the work that you're doing there. Um, as, I, as I indicated, you know, we, we have um, 199 uh, problem-solving courts, 27 veteran treatment courts in Michigan. Um, and this past year and, and uh, a few months has been very challenging for our court system. Uh, but I can tell you that I'm incredibly proud of all of our judges and court staff around the state, especially our problem-solving courts. Um, they, in, they immediately were able to, to 
uh, when, when the shutdown first happened, they were immediately able to transition over to remote hearings and keep our problem-solving courts going. Um, because as we know, um, any participant in a problem-solving court, especially our veteran treatment courts, that, that constant interaction and connection with the court and the team that supports the, the problem-solving court is, is really imperative to a participant's success. Um, we've also heard from participants, um, I've talked with, with a couple of veteran treatment courts as well as drug and, and mental health courts, that that participants really liked the op the opportunity to to do um, hearings remotely, uh, because they were able to number one feel safe um, at, at home, um, but also you know they have they have sometimes have issues with transportation or getting time off of work and and the ability to be able to get on at, at a certain time and know that that it's going to be exactly you know a half an hour of, of their time allows them to keep doing the things that that they needed to be doing and and maybe not run into those transportation issues, and it also allowed them to connect. Um, Zoom or or through other um, remote platforms with our veteran mentors um, who really stepped up during the pandemic to make sure that they were they were connecting with our with our participants. So it's been it's been challenging, um, but I'm like I said, I'm very proud of of our courts and our court staff and the participants in, in all of our in all of our um, problem solving courts for for um, you know being able to adjust. And, and make the best of a, of a very difficult situation. And what we know is that that's how we're going to be doing things going forward. Um, so for for veterans and their families that are listening to this, um, you know, we're we're going to keep um, offering uh, you know a hybrid solution um, to access our court system. Um, so that will that will uh, when when it's possible, will uh, prohibit or, or prevent um, people from having to go into courthouses um, to do their business, and they'll be able to to do it remotely, which we think will just be a benefit um, for for everyone involved to to keep um, access to justice um, open and and moving forward um, for everyone that interacts with the justice system. Well, I think that's great. You know, we, uh, you know, we talk about PTSD, we talk about anxiety, and that's not just in the veteran community. So the fact that those issues can be mitigated by the remote access um, is huge. So that kudos to the court system for recognizing that this is a great um, avenue for veterans to serve in. I did want to talk about, I know that there's been some changes and this impacts our veterans, their families, their dependents, and so many more uh, individuals in the state. But can you tell us a little bit um, about the new expungement laws and maybe how um, veterans and their families can get access to some of these maybe clinics or take advantage of the, the, the new laws? Absolutely. Um, incredible change in, in Michigan law, um, what we're calling the, the clean slate laws, um, really make Michigan a national leader in, in helping residents more easily set aside their criminal records and, and really get a clean slate or, or second chance. Um, and so the, the new laws make set-asides um, automatic for certain offenses, but then there's other offenses that, that individuals will need to, to apply for a set-aside. Um, so these laws took effect um, in April of this year, and um, our, our courts and law enforcement uh, were allowed um, two years to secure funding and coordinate plans to allow for, for some of um, these set-asides. And so that, that does mean that some will not be implemented until April of 2023, but we're still getting getting the ball uh, rolling and 
Um, me and uh, several of my co colleagues on the Michigan Supreme Court were able to join the Attorney General's um, big kickoff that she did in, in Genesee County um, that she hosted an expungement fair. And the Attorney General's office did an incredible amount of work uh, beforehand, um, allowing people to, um, to, to apply. And then they did um, the background work to see if they were eligible. And so they had just, I, I, I think it was over 700 people come to, to this fair um, and, and be able to interact with with the attorney general's office, as well as um, get their fingerprinting done, um, and then talk to um, attorneys that were present to help walk them through the process. Um, and we anticipate that, that these fairs are gonna continue around the state. So I would urge your, your listeners to, um, to look for those. They don't have to attend a fair to be able to um, get a conviction um, set aside or, or expunged. Um, they, they can um, do that on their own now. Um, and we have a couple of, of resources um, to, to make that possible. One is um, on our Michigan Supreme Court website, um, and it's, um, it's, it's under Clean Slate that lists um, a, a lot more about the, the actual law and, and then the process of, of how to make that happen. And then we have, um, we have um, some tabs on there that you can click on that will help you, uh, will connect you with Michigan Legal Help, um, and that will help you set aside an adult conviction. Um, if you have a juvenile adjudication to set aside how to do that, um, and, and will help walk you through that. Um, so I so I urge uh, folks to, to go to um, our website and, and uh, put in Clean Slate, and it should pull up um, an entire webpage dedicated to, to this, giving you the background of the legislation and then um, connections to Michigan Legal Help um, that will give you, um, and, you know, there's an, an article that explains it and then actual how to um, um, be able to accomplish this on your own. I mean, and I'm sure that um, so for, for many of our veterans out there that may need assistance, um, that we can we can try to find assistance for them as well um, while, they're, while they're utilizing Michigan Legal Help. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I wish we had more time to talk with you, but you heard the websites. We'll make sure that they're on our Facebook page. Thank you so much for joining us today, uh, Justice Clement. Thank you for ha having me, Director Adams. Thank you, and stay tuned. We'll be right back on The Veterans Perspective. Welcome back to the Veterans Perspective. Today we've been talking about justice-involved veterans and legal assistance programs and opportunities for veterans and their families. Our next guest joining us is Judge Carrie Lynn Fuca, who was elected by the people as judge of the 41B District Court, as well as she has been the uh, founding and presiding judge of the 41B Veterans Treatment Court since 2011. And in 2016 to the present, she is the chief judge of the 41B District Court. Welcome to the show, Judge uh, Fuca. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Now, I just wanted to get a little bit more information. So where is 41B District located? Uh, we're lo located in Maconey, uh, and my district serves uh, Clinton Township, Harrison Township, and Mount Clemens. Very good. So, you know, quite the impressive uh, run so far, 2010 to present. You've been a judge helping um, with the people. And I know we talked a little bit about earlier with some other guests on the show about um, 
Veterans Treatment Court, but you, you're founding, um, a founding judge of the Veterans Treatment Court at your court. Can you talk a little bit about that and what that process was like? Sure. Uh, I was, when I was campaigning, strangely enough, I had a couple of my constituents uh, ask me about Veterans Treatment Courts, which at the time I had not heard of. And at that time they were relatively new. I think we only probably had one other established Veterans Treatment Court in the state of Michigan. So as promised, um, I looked into it um, after taking the bench and then um, became a, uh, aware of what the program was. And it's basically a court designed, it's a treatment court designed to rehabilitate veterans returning um, from active duty, um, dealing with you know things, tra traumatic brain injury, um, post-traumatic stress disorder, um, substance use disorders, and it's it's basically designed to help um, those veterans reacclimate to civilian lifestyle, um, treat the illnesses that that's underlying the criminal behavior, um, and it's a it's a group um, effort. Well, that's wonderful. You know, I I find it interesting, and I guess you know as I'm as I'm thinking about veterans treatment court and the buy-in that's needed for veterans to go into that, I think about my time as. Um, a prosecutor who did misdemeanor prosecutors, prosecutions for several, several municipalities in Muskegon County. And I, you know, I, I remember I would, I would get veterans who qualified to go into veterans treatment court and they would be interested, but sometimes their family members would dissuade them from taking advantage of these opportunities. Do you see that? No, we don't see family members getting involved like that. In fact, for, for it's my experience that it's often the opposite, where the family, the veteran doesn't necessarily recognize it as a problem. Uh, and then upon speaking to the family member, there we learn that there is a problem. And, and sometimes the veterans themselves don't recognize that they're suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder. So we have not, we haven't had an occasion where the family dissuades the veteran from getting into the program. I mean, primarily because the program is designed to address the underlying issue, which is generally affecting everyone in the family. Yeah, well, that's, that's a great experience for you then. And I think that, you know, just for those listeners out there who may be family members of a veteran, these are opportunities. And, and how would you, how would you recommend a family member you know, maybe, you know, if there's a veteran who may qualify for one of these treatment courts, which we'll talk about some of those qualifiers, but, you know, how would you recommend a family member maybe encouraging or getting involved or even seeking to find out if their court has a veteran's treatment court? I, would, I mean, if they're, if they're family members involved in the criminal justice system, I would probably begin with researching that court's particular website. Each, or I would assume, I mean, our court does, I would assume all the other courts that offer treatment court options, that information would be on the available on the court's website. If it's in this area, I would recommend even going to the John Dingle um, website for Veterans Veterans Affairs. You may be able to find something on there also that talks about the treatment courts and where those courts are um, located. I know our court, even though it's located in Macomb County, we take transfers from any everywhere. So even if you your your neighboring court does not have a treat a veterans treatment court, you know there may be other courts in the area willing to take that veteran on another program. That's really good to know. So if you know, I think there the statistic was there was 27 veteran treatment courts in the in the state right now, and so there's a potential that you know if you're not connected in your court to a veteran treatment court, you can go to a, a surrounding court. So. That's great to find out. Check those websites to find that out. 
Um, you know, I wanted to talk a little bit about, I know that we just, there was this, just this clean slate bill that was passed. Can you talk a little bit about that and how maybe it does affect or maybe doesn't affect some of the veterans and their families? Unfortunately, um, and this may not be a popular opinion, but unfortunately, I don't think the clean slate legislation goes far enough and primarily because um, uh, operators while under the influence of drugs or alcohol are not included in the clean slate legislation. The lion's share the most of the participants in the treatment courts, especially the veterans treatment courts are in the program due to drunk driving convictions. So unfortunately they are not able to avail themselves of that clean slate program. Now, with that being said, there are, we have had occasion um, where the prosecutor will agree to reduce the drunk driving charge down to something other than a drunk driving charge upon successful completion of the treatment court. But I would say that that, that, that happens on a more rare occasion. Yeah, I, yeah, I've seen some of those as well. And so, I mean, the Veterans Treatment Court is a great opportunity just to kind of get your life on track as well, because you all engage with mentors, you engage with the VA. It's a very well-rounded approach, correct? That's right. I mean, we offer, in addition to the traditional treatment court model, we also have mentors like you you mentioned from, so other veterans, um, typically we try to pair people up with their same the same branch of service or if they have other commonalities. Um, they, we also offer peer recovery coaches, which is similar to um, what a 12-step sponsor would be, someone who's in active recovery. Um, you know, ve veteran services, um, or we have a veteran services officer who also comes to our treatment court sessions. We work with an addictionologist in our treatment court sessions. So there's just so many more resources that we're able to offer the veterans once they're in the program. There's resources out there that they didn't even know that they that existed. We've had people get disab higher disability ratings um, and, and stuff like that, stuff that they never imagined would be, you know, a, a perk of being in the, in the program. You know, before we wrap up, I can imagine that people listening out there may wonder, well, if, if my, my uh, conviction may not be um, reduced, what is the benefit of me participating in a Veterans Treatment Court program? On it, quite honestly, sometimes it's hard to convince people that they that they should take advantage of the program. Most because it's far more difficult than a traditional term of probation. So it might be a misunderstanding that this is a, you know some some easy program and we're going easy on veterans because they're veterans. But the exact opposite is true. It's actually a very intense program. So sometimes it's very difficult to get people to recognize that they need the program, but essentially the people that we want in the program are the people that are ready to make a change. And they, and they are already recognizing that they're, that they're headed down the, uh, the wrong path. And I think one of the biggest benefits to the veteran and their community and families is the lower recidivism rate that it produces after they complete it. hundred percent. I mean, in the statistics that we have and the, and all of the information that we're, we do have definitely helps. And people have heard from other people you know, who have had very good success stories. So, you know, the, the carrot truly is um, your ability and your desire to get your life back on track. That's great. So, um, Judge Fuca, before we wrap up, can you just tell us where people can find out more information about your Veterans Treatment Court? My website, 41B District Court, um, would be the easiest place to start to get information about our treatment court. And then, you know, anyone that can contact me through that website, I'm happy to help. 
And if they want to learn more about Clean Slate or any of that information or even expungements, um, we can definitely direct them. Um, we can make sure that that information is on our Facebook page. And they can always probably give you all a call just to find out who to connect with to find out more information. Sure. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And I just want to um, encourage our listeners to find out more about the opportunities that can be available to you and your family members. So stick with us. We'll be talking about more justice reform when we return on the Veterans Perspective. Welcome back to the Veterans Perspective, presented by the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency. Now back to your host, director of the MVAA, Zanetta Adams. Welcome back to the Veterans Perspective. Joining me as our final guest today, are Scott Taroki and Melissa Fitzgerald of Justice for Vets. Just a little bit of background. Scott retired from the U.S. Army Reserve and National Guard components after 21 years of service. Becoming, before becoming director of Justice for Vets, he was employed with the um, Rhode Island Judiciary, serving as a dual capacity as deputy director for their district court's trial services unit and program coordinator for their veterans treatment court. He has served as a behavioral health clinician in jail, prison, hospital settings, and various community behavioral health agencies. Welcome to the show, Scott. Well, thank you. Thank you to be wonderful to be here. And I also wanted to introduce Melissa Fitzgerald, who is an actor, producer, and activist who played Assistant Press Secretary Carol Fitzpatrick on the television series The West Wing. In 2013, she left Hollywood to champion justice system reform. First, as Senior Director of Justice for Vets, where she led the expansion of Veterans Treatment Courts. Today, she serves as Director of the Advancing Justice Initiative, where she supports the expansion of treatment courts as well as larger justice reform issues. Welcome to the show, Melissa. Thank you so much. We're both really excited to be here. I'm excited to have you here. And so, you know, uh, in the time that we have today, I would love to learn a little bit more about Justice for Vets and what y'all are doing there. Scott, if you can give us a little bit of perspective. Sure, absolutely. Um, so Justice for Vets is actually a division within the National Association of Drug Court Professionals. Um, the other two divisions are the National Drug Court Institute and the Not National Center for DWI Courts. Justice for Vets started probably in, in 2010 with the National Association of Drug Court Professionals. And our main mission is to make sure that we have a veterans treatment court in reach of every veteran in need. So we really focus, uh, Director, we, re we really focus on developing the infrastructure for veterans treatment courts to follow across the country. And we provide all an, an array, a huge array of um, different types of trainings for those veterans treatment courts. And they range from e-learning to actually in-person trainings. We focus on foundational trainings. We focus on um, operational tune-ups or refresher trainings, and we really spend a lot of time developing mentoring trainings for the mentor components in our Veterans Treatment Court programs. So that's kind of my wow, all in one shot, but that's it. <laughs> that's great information. And I know that we have about 27 Veterans Treatment Courts in Michigan, um, and I know that there are many courts around that, you know, 
they're veterans in their communities, but not necessarily they have they don't necessarily have a veterans treatment court. Um, how can we encourage more uh, courts to become uh, courts that have one of those veteran treatment courts in it? Really, really, it's all about education and getting the word out. Um, again, as you stated earlier, I mean Michigan does have 27 veterans treatment courts right now, and I know they're always moving towards making. Um, so getting that word out, things like we're doing right now, a podcast yeah. or a public service announcements, that's definitely the way to go. And I think nothing speaks to the the need for a veterans treatment court in a community that nothing speaks more to that than the success of the veterans that go through these programs. They are yes. remarkable and they emerge from these programs grateful for the second chance and they are leaders in their communities. And we our communities need our veterans in them as leaders and veterans treatment courts help support them in that way. Yeah, I appreciate you adding that, Melissa. We, you know, we were on a call earlier with Justice Clement, um, mm. as well as um, Judge Fuca in Macomb County, who has a veterans treatment court talking about some of these issues. And, you know, I know that you have some connection with one of the justices in our state. Could you tell us a little bit about your connection to Michigan and I would love to. I would love to. Um, well, I have known Chief Justice McCormick for quite a few years because I had the great pleasure of acting on the TV series The West Wing with her sister, Mary McCormick. And actually, Mary and I are writing a book together um, about our experience on The West Wing, but even more importantly, about the service and that it inspired. And um, certainly nobody exemplifies that more than uh, Chief Justice McCormick. And the leadership that the state Supreme Court in Michigan uh, has, has shown is really one of the factors, one of the reasons that Michigan is so strong in treatment courts. So it's um, been such an honor. Chief Justice McCormick invited me to come speak at several veterans treatment court graduations in Michigan. And then we also, um, I was able to, attend a volunteer veteran mentor boot camp uh, training that we do that Scott can tell you more about in Michigan. And it's been such a joy to get to work with her on this issue that is so close to my heart, to her heart, and then, of course, to Scott's. So, Scott, if you want to just uh, maybe mention the boot camp a little bit and the mentor training. Oh, yes. We've done several, actually, in Michigan. I'm very, very appreciative for doing them. Uh, the focus of our trainings really for the mentor component is really it ranges from everything from teaching boundaries to active listening skills to just relationship building overall, um, because there's nothing that replaces peer to peer support, as you know. And nothing's more important than training. I mean, I think a, a, a well-trained mentor, a well-trained court your outcomes will be better and stronger. And that's something that we do at the National Association of Drug Court Professionals. And in fact, we have a conference coming up this summer, August 15th through 18th in the DC area. We hope everyone will come. And, um, you know, and, and, and I had one more thing I really wanted to say is, is how appreciative we are of the work and working together with the VA, and also with the State Department of, of VA. So we appreciate the work that you are doing as well. Well, thank you for that. And I, I will say we have this great buddy-to-buddy -buddy mentoring program through our core initiative, which is our community outreach and regional engagement. And so, you know, we definitely need to connect a little bit more to see how we can maybe take some of the trainings that you're providing and help those buddy-to-buddy -buddy mentors because they're not necessarily in the tr Veterans Treatment Court. While some of them might be volunteering in that capacity, they are our mentorship piece so that we can reduce suicides in the state of Michigan. And so 
you know, whatever additional training, as you mentioned, that we can provide them, I think is, is, is key. And, you know, one of the other things that we were talking about on the show today is our justice involved veterans program where we're working with incarcerated veterans as they become returning citizens to make sure that they have all their well-rounded, you know, we're driver's license before they get out, you know, um, veterans designations on those driver's license. So what you're doing is helping on that forefront and we're Mm -hmm. really trying to make sure that we're reaching everybody. So I really definitely appreciate what you're doing. Just really quickly, can you talk a little bit about the justice for vets, um, that core program, or is that what we were just talking about with the with the mentors? Yeah, pretty much. That's what we are talking about. National movement. It's it's been growing every year, even in the height of the pandemic. We're estimating there's about 3,500, close to a little bit more, uh, 3,700 mentors across the country that are actually in the program. And I just want to give a shout out to Michigan in particular. Came out a couple of years ago, as you know, Director with a mentoring handbook um, for mentors in the great state of Michigan. Very, very impressive. I was there for that. When mm. definitely, uh, you know, you folks presented it and boy, it's, it's super. It's definitely cutting edge and it's leading the way for the country. Very well, definitely let us know how we can continue to improve on that document as, as you all continue to make changes in these areas. And I will say, you know, we've talked about some of those positive outcomes of Veterans Treatments Court, Veterans Treatment Court, but how can like family members or people out there who may not be veterans or maybe veterans and want to give back, how can they be involved with the Veterans um, National Mentor Corps? Right, very good. Uh, the best suggestion I can make right now is definitely start at the, at the grass level, at the municipal level, at the state level. Have those family members reach out to those program administrators for every program. They're, they're definitely are always looking for more family involvement on VTCs. Um, we realize that a social support network or family support network is critical. So have them reach out directly to the court systems. That that would be the, the best recommendation I can make. And, of course, and also there are resources on our website, too, absolutely. which is I want to make sure we give that. It's justiceforvets.org. Again, that's justiceforvets.org. And you can follow us on social media, too. We have a Facebook page and we have a Twitter handle, which right. is at Justice for Vets. And I really recommend that because I think what we see in not only veterans treatment courts, but in treatment courts in general, that the justice system can be a force for positive change in people's lives. If we bring the resources together, it works for veterans, it works for adults. And I think we we can challenge ourselves to expand these principles and build upon the success of veterans treatment courts to help everyone. Well, I definitely want to thank you both for joining us today. And I want to thank all of our guests for joining us today and talking about this very important topic. Again, remember, you can find all these resources on our Facebook page at michiganveterans.com and Michigan Veterans Facebook page. You can also go to michiganveterans.com to find out more information or give us a call at 1-800-MICHVET. That's 1-800-642-4838. See you next week on The Veterans Perspective.